0: This is FemPower Power Health. Each week, top women's health experts dispel fact from fiction. The most important pelvic floor exercise is not the Kegel, starts now you know there's been a lot of data coming out around how we should vary activity throughout our menstrual cycle and so today i interviewed jenny holbert of wild wellness where we will talk specifically about how to sweat in sync with your cycle additionally if you like this episode please do rate it and write a review and check out the show notes for anything i can't cover in this episode now let's talk to jenny
1: I love to talk about living and sweating in sync with nature because it's really what saved me so many times and has saved me, and it's my guiding mantra in life. So back to my teen years, I struggled with an eating disorder for a long time, and it was when I came back to... Live more in sync with nature to eat nature's foods and really understand that that's where true nourishment comes from, that I was able to be more mindful around eating and just have a better relationship with that. And then I went on to get my bachelor's degree in exercise science, my master's in sports psychology I have been interested in health and wellness and fitness for a very long time. So I started working as a personal trainer, really wanting to help people with their health and fitness goals. And you would think with the background that I had and the education I had that I would know how to train myself without overtraining or being exhausted. but. It turns out that I didn't learn everything that I needed to in my education. And it really came back to this principle that nature embodies, which is that it's not a sprint, it's a cycle. That really helped me to identify what was going on and how to change it. So, what I realized was in fitness, a lot of times, we get into the cycle of a linear pattern where we start at one point and we want to build upon that. And that's what I was doing in ways that I was progressing from one point and just increasing, but I wasn't paying attention to the fact that throughout the month I had different changes in my body and different hormonal shifts in my cycle. And that actually influenced everything, including my training. So that was a missing piece. And again, it went back to that idea that if we, Live and sweat and sync with nature; that um, it becomes a lot less resistant to these challenges, and so that's my guiding mantra. And I love sharing that with other women, especially.
0: No, thank you for that. So, before we dive into sweating in sync with your cycle, because um, I've been reading a lot about this, I have a podcast coming out with Nicole Hardim, and we're going to talk about how you change all your activities um, throughout your cycle and what are the best things to do, what time of the month for those of us who have regular cycles. And, yes. but, but I think one thing I wanted to touch on first is I think all of us intuitively get exercise and eating healthy. I think we're all clear on that. And, you know, it, it does seem that there's a, a tipping point where we internalize what exactly that means. Like for me, you know, I had very foundational education on health and diet, but it wasn't until for me, fertility treatments. And three years in, I had a doctor who mandated that I chill out on my intense exercise and, cut out gluten and dairy. And from there on, I started doing a lot of experimentation with exercise and diets because I freaked out. Like, what do you mean I can't run? What do you mean I can't run another marathon and train for that? Mm -hmm. And I know there's a lot of people who disagree and we'll have another podcast on that. Um, but you know, what I'm trying to get at is it was through that initial mandate and the forced experimentation that I actually learned, you know, there's sometimes this trigger point. So how would you say you went from general knowledge of, okay, we all need to be healthy to, you know, we need, this is what I need to do to fully transform and be one with what I need to do to be healthy.
1: Yeah. What I'm thinking of, and just listening to your experience too, is that, like you said, we think of exercise and eating a certain way as being healthy, but we don't consider the fact that, like, for example, if we hear to that working out at a certain consistency doesn't necessarily mean that we need to do that every single day or that every day needs to, or every week needs to look the same. So it can change from week to week and change from day to day for us. And I think that's even probably a concept that you could wrap your head around, but there's a lot that goes into that because we have these fears that if we don't do a certain thing that we might lose fitness. Or that if we take time off from something, that we will not make gains or that we'll lose what we have gained. And there's just this overall message in fitness culture that we need to go hard all the time. Or that if you're not sore from a workout or worn out afterwards, that you didn't do enough. So it can get really confusing as to what's enough and what's too much. And I think that's where you start with a template, a blueprint, like we're going to talk about, with how this might work with your cycle. And then from there, going to using your own intuition and personal experiences and what you notice in your own cycle to make changes based on that. I completely hear you. So why don't we dive into talking about the cycle
0: and and how to sweat in sync with your cycle? And then you know, I'm happy to share any um, relevant thoughts of my own experiences. I have a lot of ideas, but instead of me chatting away, I'd rather you, uh, the expert, um, talk and, uh, share with the listeners what they need to think about.
1: Sure. Yeah. I'll go through each phase. There's four phases that we can kind of break them down into and focus on. And after each one, I'll, I'll pause so that you can reflect and share anything that's relevant there. If that sounds good. Okay. Go for it. Okay. So the first idea that I'll share is that our menstrual cycle is a rhythm. And so we have the seasons to look at, for example, as a rhythm in nature, or we have the moon phases. And that actually is a good side note here, because if you don't have a menstrual cycle for whatever reason, then you can actually use the moon phases as you are aligning this with your own cycles and rhythms. The moon phases have a different energy to them, and they call for us to do certain things or do different things in terms of how we feel physically and what we might benefit from most in our workouts. So knowing that the first phase that we'll start with is what I call the base phase. And this is also the menstrual phase. So that would be usually day 29 to day 5 of the cycle. And I say day 29 because it is the First day of bleeding, but a lot of times we start to feel the energy of that just the day before or the last day of the cycle. So, this is again the menstrual phase, it's your period. Day one would also correspond with the new moon if you're following that instead of your own uh, menstrual cycle, if for whatever reason you don't have that. And it has the energy of winter. So, it's a call to go inward, it's a time to rest and reset. It's a time to release things that we don't really need to be doing. So it's not a great time to go and do high-intensity intervals. It is a great time to do restorative yoga instead of going for a long run. Maybe you go for a short walk. So there's a contrast of having less expectations in this phase of you doing hard things that require a lot of effort and maybe just focusing more on maintaining what you have done throughout the cycle and focusing on this restorative energy that your body needs right now. What I should also add, you kind of made me think of this, and it's such a good reminder, I think, because if you've never even heard this concept before, or maybe if you've seen recommendations out there for how to exercise and sync with your cycle, you've probably seen things like do yoga or restorative things in the menstrual phase and then the follicular phase do hit workouts. And then in the uh, ovulatory phase, do group classes like spin or (laughs) group aerobics or something. And then in the luteal phase, focus on Pilates. Well, maybe you're someone who doesn't do all of those things. Maybe you're just, you like walking or you're a runner, or maybe you practice yoga and you like to go outside and hike. So this doesn't have to mean that you do different exercises in each of these phases. It just is how you adjust the intensity and the duration and maybe even the type of workout that you do, but you can apply it based on what you like and it doesn't necessarily have to be all of those. Okay, no, I like that.
0: And um, before we keep going what I, I, into the next phases, I, I do want to ask, some may be listening and say, this is hokey, what are you talking about? I have to sync with the moon or my cycle. And first of all, I will say I don't think it's hokey because, again, with all the experimentation I have done, I mean, I have been intense. I have never worked out. I ran a marathon and now I don't run at all. And, you know, what I have learned is how to listen to my body because of all the experimentation. And, I love what you are saying, but Mm -hmm. for those who may be listening and be like, what on earth? Moons, I'm done. I'm not listening to this episode anymore. (laughs) What would you say? I'd love to get your thoughts.
1: I would say that, yeah, I I think it was an interesting piece that maybe I neglected to add. So I'm glad you brought it up because um, a woman being on her moon has been a phrase or a way of thinking about it that has been referred to since ancient times. Like our ancestors used to Refer to women being on their moon because they would often bleed with the new moon and then ovulate on the full moon. And there would be women who did the opposite of that, but they would actually go out separate from the village, you know, go off in their own groups, just the women, and have that time together. And it was based around the cycles of the moon before they had anything else to anchor to or think about that was where they anchored. And it is interesting that our cycle, our menstrual cycle is around 29 days and that's the same cycle days of the moon going from new moon to full moon and back to new moon again. So it really coincides exactly with it. And even as we talk about the different hormonal changes here in each of the phases, I think you'll start to see how it makes so much sense in our body is so interestingly aligned and divinely designed to work with this and if we just trust the ebbs and flows that we have it really makes a lot of sense
0: there was you know so much discussion around this myth of the 28 day cycle and how so much of medicine, when it relates to women's health, was you ovulate on day 14, you have a 28-day cycle. Anything outside of that is abnormal. But you know there are people who have mm-hmm. different cycles. There's a range of what's normal. If you have PCOS, it messes up your cycle. Um, if you're you know on birth control, you may not have one. So there's all these nuances too. So there's what your body's doing, and then there's the moon. So if someone were to even like put parameters around how to define the phases, given there's a lot more complexity than that perfect 28 days that was being pitched incorrectly to women for a very, very, very long time, what should that baseline view be?
1: Yeah, that's really important too. Cause like you said, very rarely do we have an exact 29 day cycle every month. I mean, mine personally usually would range from 29 to 34 days, and it can be different from month to month. So what I would notice instead of the exact days is that's where you tune into your physical energy, your emotional energy, and just how you're feeling, just put very simply. So as we go through these phases, I'll kind of give you those vibes, you know, how you might feel physically, emotionally, and that's how you can sort of tell what phase you're in. And it's not so black and white in that way either, because even though I said the base phase the menstrual the inner winter has all of those vibes of wanting to rest and go inward and retreat well there's some cycles that you may feel a little bit more energized than others or it might not be until day 5 that you have all of those things happening or that feeling of you know not doing very much maybe by day 4 you feel like you're kind of ready to get back into it and your body's bursting with energy and so it can, it can be a little different for each one of us, obviously. And also there's transitions between the phases. So it's not just black and white. Like we jump from on day five, we're in the base phase. And then on day six, we're in the build phase, which is the next one we're talking about, or the follicular phase is its name that you might know it by. So it's more of a noticing of how we're feeling physically, emotionally, and just taking note of different symptoms that we might have that we can use to describe where we're at. Now I appreciate you
0: saying that. You know, I'm a person who really likes a schedule and admittedly with a 5-year-old it's really really hard, but even like in my head I'll say, "Oh, I like to I want to swim X times a week or do my hit workout X times a week." And what I've really been proud of myself is I'm like one of the days I'm like, "You know what? I don't need intense, I'm so stressed, I need some yoga. And, I just, mm-hmm. and, it, I, and I've been feeling so much better when I listen rather than obliging to this rigid schedule that I put together. Um, so I've even noticed a difference of the listening to the body. And if we do really try to listen, it does tell us what to do. So let's talk about the next phase then.
1: Yeah. This is what I call the build phase. It's known as the follicular phase and it has the energy of spring. So it's like our inner spring and just physically and hormonally during this phase, after your period, your hormone levels begin to rise. So estrogen levels or specifically rising uh, also follicle stimulating hormone so in terms of the hormones specifically with increasing estrogen in this phase we would potentially see uh, more resilience to cortisol so cortisol is that hormone that gets released when we have a stress response and exercise is a stress response it's giving our body the ability to get up and go and that can be a really helpful thing to have in order to manage that in our bodies. And so at the same time, you don't want that cortisol to be sustained all the time. So being resilient to those levels of cortisol means that you may be able to do higher intensity or harder efforts during this phase, and your pain threshold may be higher too. And one other thing that you would notice in this phase, potentially physically, hormonally, is that you're... Insulin sensitivity may be higher, and this is because of the higher levels of estrogen as well. So carbohydrates may be used more efficiently in this phase. Again, meaning that higher intensity cardio activities would be a good match because that's what you mainly use when you're doing high intensity cardio. So when I say that, I mean like um, a hit class if if that's your thing, or higher intensity workouts that would involve maybe hill sprints or repeats intervals where you're doing a fast burst and then a short rest and then a fast burst again. And this is really just, um, kind of the energy of this phase as a good time to ease back into whatever it is you're doing and not expend all your energy at once, just because you're feeling kind of like you're coming back to life again after your period. It's good to ease into it and not over train overdue because then obviously that can kind of, Set you up the wrong way for the rest of the cycle and maybe even cause you to have some difficulties in this phase.
0: Now, with you saying, you know, this is a time to not overtrain, you know, as someone who has made the transformation yourself, I mean, heck, I even made it too. What would you say to those
1: who are struggling with the overtraining? If they're feeling like they're not recovering well, they're maybe not sleeping well, they're sore, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, but also more just how to let go of the need to do so much.
1: To let go of that pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we feel that. And I think that often comes from that programming that somewhere we gathered along the way in this more masculine Messaging and linear type of culture and goal setting that we need to be progressing and sort of always on. So, I would say that go back to these concepts we're talking about and think about the fact that nothing in nature blooms all year. I think that's some kind of quote I've seen somewhere, but it, that just came to my mind like those words. It's our bodies are the same, like we're a reflection of that. And there is a time in the cycle for everything. And so it's finding what that is for you. And if you do find that you're feeling overtrained and just like you're overdoing and what you are doing isn't working, then there's a lot of ways that you can tweak that. You can change the intensity, you can change the duration, you can change the frequency and it depends on your plan and your goals and a lot of different things. But those would be just some things to be aware of and maybe even consider with your coach or your trainer, if you're working with someone that way, that they can notice how to shift these things and maybe even bring this concept to them because not everyone understands the fact that women have cyclical bodies and that we may need different things in different parts of the cycle. So you can use that to educate other people too.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great point. I actually had a friend of mine who is a nurse practitioner specializing in women's health and she uh, sent me a note saying, "Thanks so much for the podcast because you're actually helping me work with my patients better." And so, this mm. isn't just for women, it's for the people that they're working with whether they're women or men who are taking care of them. So, Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I'll, I'll say my own journey. I remember when I was doing the whole running thing and that's I was never really into working out. I did a little bit, but I had no idea what I was doing. And then I you know, had achieved all these goals and I fell into this depression and I needed a goal and I decided to run and I trained for a marathon and that set me up for like intensity. And once you get on that marathon thing, it's, it's an intense crowd. Cause then the next thing is like, do you do the ultra marathon? Do you do the iron man?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: my body ended up not loving running. So I, I cut it out. And I remember then I started doing like spinning classes. And I remember I would do the calculations of the amount of calories you would burn in even these intense workouts, relative to what you know, calories are in given foods, and through the experimentation, and and by the way, it's it's amazing. Like a spin class is what, like 500 calories, which is what two or three glasses of wine. Um, and so when you do those calculations, it's like the workout isn't the only thing. And, you know, I was nervous again to slow down. And I'm 46, and I look better and feel better than when I was training for the marathon. And I'm way less intense. And, you know, it's because, you know, sleep, diet, and a well rounded exercise routine are so critical. And if you only work on one, how are you going to? be balanced and so that was my
1: conclusion that that helped me
0: Um, So I don't know if that's helpful for the audience or if you have any comments to that.
1: Yeah, it just makes a lot of sense because it's more than just an equation of calories in, calories out, which again is contrary to what I probably learned most in my exercise physiology education. You know, there wasn't consideration of the fact that when you do exercise, you raise cortisol levels and if your cortisol levels are too high because you have other stressors in your life going on and you're not managing it. In the right way or you just have chronic stress through it could be outside stressors it could even be the fact that your digestive system or something physically you're dealing with a chronic issue that's stressing the body and causing inflammation all of that can affect our hormones it can affect then our energy it can affect the way that cortisol is regulated and that all plays into our workouts and as you were saying even then our our metabolism and our body weight and all of these things like adrenal fatigue which is what I had experienced back then was downregulating my thyroid and I was experiencing weight gain that was like where is this coming from I'm eating well and working out a lot it was very confusing to me because I didn't realize that at the time either so it's a very complex picture and something to look into all the factors like you said uh, instead of just thinking that it's a simple equation, like, well, I'm exercising and eating good. Why am I not losing weight? Or why am I not seeing the good results here that I want feeling the right way? There may be some hormones to look into or some other things going on.
0: Power Health is pleased to partner with the upcoming Femtech and Consumer Innovation Summit. The summit is the latest deep dive event, part of the Women's Health Innovation Series, looking to tackle this growing sector of women's health. Having had continental success in driving innovation, investment, research, and partnerships in traditional women's health care by bringing together critical stakeholders, join us in New York on June 7th and 8th as we channel this success into the consumer sector of women's health. Visit www.femtechconsumerinnovation.com to view the superstar speaker lineup and enter code fempower15 for 15% off your ticket. Hope to see you there it's such a valid point. And first I want to say, I'm not at all saying running is bad. So for any of you runners out there or those who do intense workouts, I'm not saying stop doing them. I'm just saying they don't work for me um, anymore, but uh, um, no, it's, it's really important. And that's one of the themes I'm learning on this podcast with all the interviews that I've done is, you know, we're all posting on Instagram and Facebook and asking questions about, you know, what do we do? What did you do that works? And I know people, we all want a black and white answer. And the theme I'm hearing from any and every topic is, it depends because we're such individuals and different things are affecting us um, that impact our health. And it's really about you know having the, the intuition, but then having all these frameworks that the great guests are sharing so that women can make effective decisions. Um, so definitely really important points. And I appreciate
1: you sharing your journey of the things you're learning as well. So do you want to get into the next phase then? Yeah, there's two more. And this next one also has uh, an energy that's similar to the last one. So I call this the peak phase and it has the energy of summer. So it's very outward and high energy and it's actually when we ovulate. So estrogen, follicle stimulating hormone, they all peak during this ovulation phase and peak hormone levels correspond with peak energy usually. So it's a good time to take advantage of that. If that's how you're feeling, challenging yourself, maybe going for a PR racing, if that's your thing, or just doing workouts that even involve other people or with a group, because you'll be more inclined to be with other people during this phase, as opposed to some of the other ones where you might feel like doing something more alone. So this could look like Longer hikes or runs, longer walks, um, maybe more (laughs) intense strength training workouts, maybe higher intensity yoga, trying to give a variety here, depending on what it is that you're doing. But basically, this is the time where you might really feel like going for it more. And if you don't, then remember everyone's different and there's, it's not like every day during this part of the cycle that I personally feel like going out and doing the hardest thing ever. There's obviously a days for rest, even within this phase of the cycle. It's just that overall you have capacity to recover quicker and maybe do more than you normally, or that than you would in other parts of the cycle. Awesome. And what about the next phase then? Yeah, the last one then I call the recovery phase, and this is the luteal phase, premenstrual. It has the energy of inner autumn, so you're winding down, and hormonally, physically, after ovulation, estrogen levels dip, and this phase is when progesterone levels sort of take the stage, or they're rising more, and when we have higher progesterone, we often feel more sluggish. We feel a little less like being around other people. And this is a good time to give yourself permission to ease back to lighter movements and just doing what feels good to your body. It truly is important to let this be more of a recovery, allow yourself to slow down, because I think that a lot of the premenstrual symptoms that women experience can be attributed to the fact that we're not honoring This phase of the cycle. And of course, there's a lot of other reasons that that could be as well. I'm not saying that's the only reason premenstrual issues occur, but this is one thing to consider because I certainly noticed it shift my experience with the things that I would often have premenstrual when I've started to work with my cycle in this way. So, in terms of specifics with exercise, you might find that you can do moderate intensity a lot better and maybe even continuing to go for um, a longer amount of time. So it could be just not the um, intense short sprints, but maybe more of a moderate length of time. And also things that are focusing on maybe areas that you've been ignoring throughout the cycle. So I always like to remind people that there's always things that maybe are nagging injuries or areas that we know we need to work on. Like we have maybe some hip issue or we have an ankle that we tweaked that we weren't necessarily taking care of in the right way, or that we have some little back pain that we know we want to work on. This is a good time to just focus on those things that maybe it's not about the intensity, so much as it is about the focus that you have on a particular issue and kind of honing in, honing inward again, and releasing the need to go harder just because you think that's what you should be doing all the time. I love this.
0: Now, if we were to ask you what you do in a given month, like what are the, I don't know if it's easier how you think about your routine. Cause again, I know listening to your body is also one of the things. Um, and so I'm assuming you don't have an overly rigid schedule here, but I'm curious uh, what you do in a given cycle for, to take care of yourself.
1: Yeah. Um, well, a couple, couple things that I'll share is that I do different things depending on the seasons of nature for one. And that's sort of a whole nother topic we could get into, but basically, you know, it's a practical standpoint of like in the warmer months, I enjoy biking more than I do when it's very cold. And uh, also maybe swimming or kayaking or doing things like that, which I don't do in the winter as much. And then in the winter, I cross country ski when I can, instead of doing those other things. So it depends on the season a little bit. But I shifted from kind of like you were saying with your experience being like a hundred percent running, right? Like I identify, I still identify as a runner and, uh, I'm not, it's not that I don't do it anymore, but I kind of reached a point similar to you where instead of just doing that more often than anything else and training for running races and just really focusing on that, that I noticed I felt better when I had a more varied workout. So, these days, it looks like usually a run intermixed with a strength training day or a run and then something else that we would probably normally consider like cross training. So if it is seasonal, then maybe it's a run and then a bike. Um, but I just des- definitely do more strength training even than I did when I was running, which I think is so helpful and so much more balanced for me. I, I feel better that way. And also I find myself incorporating more yoga and just easier efforts in those times of the cycle when I need to. Whereas before I would feel that pressure, you know, I, I, I'm the same person that I'm talking to right now. (laughs) I was that person who thought that training harder got better results. And I was sort of always needing to push it to feel accomplished. And just had that mindset that I really needed to shift and start to understand that I am not my workout. Like I, what I do here is, is not like a way of proving anything, um, or trying to feel better about myself. Like that needs to come from a place besides what I'm doing (laughs) to move my body. So I think there was a lot of connection there for a long time and just re reframing that reorganizing that into something that works for me looks a lot more like varying what I do and using my intuition. You know, I do what I feel like doing that day. And I have at the beginning of the week on my journal that I keep um, a a plan, like an idea, an intention of what I'd like to do. So I'll jot down on each day what I think it might look like. But I'll first ask myself, what phase of my cycle, am I in in this upcoming week? Is it all going to be the peak phase, or am I going to be peak slash recovery towards the end of the week? Because that's going to help me to know not to like expect that I'm going to do hill sprints on a few days before my period starts, for example. Like I just kind of have an idea of what might be ideal for me, and so keeping a journal has been a key practice. Not necessarily. Um, part of what you directly asked on what what I do for my workout, but that's actually a a part of it is having that journal, noting how I'm feeling and tracking what I do and also setting the intention. Because if I end up doing that, fine, but it's there for me just as a just as an intention and sort of as a menu. Um, That's what I give in my programs is a workout menu to people because I think we need to get away from seeing something on a piece of paper and thinking that's what we have to do. And that's really, you know, we're not doing it right if we don't do that or something that's not being fulfilled. And then we feel less than, or we don't feel as good about ourselves. So for me, it, it looks like having that workout menu, but then being intuitive and sensing, you know, what it is that I really feel like doing that day and giving myself permission to do that and um, really letting that shift from season to season as well. So even though right now I'm in a season where I'm not training for anything in particular, in terms of running, I'm still running because I enjoy it and I'm doing other things as well. And I'm open to that shifting. And if I feel inspired to train for something in particular, or do something that I haven't done before, because that's what inspires me about moving my body, at least in part. I
0: really like that. And wouldn't you say that you feel so much better? I know I do.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And it, it, it's why I love teaching this, because I feel like if I had known this, <laughs> first of all, I would have avoided a lot of the challenges. And of course, the challenges that we go through are just make it it's how we come to the things that we end up learning and then sharing with others. So I'm not regretful that I went through it, but at the same time, it's, it's like, I want other people to know this sooner because I just think it's so valuable to know about ourselves. It applies not only to our workouts, but it applies to our life and how we work in our business. And just understanding my body from that perspective has honestly changed everything. It's changed how I see myself and how I, uh, how my energy fluctuates. It just gives me more respect for my body appreciation. And it's so liberating. I, 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 completely
0: hear you on this. Cause as I was listening to you, and by the way, I love the, um, the exercise or routine menu that you were referring to. And, you know, I am, as I was listening to you, I'm almost like, this is a, a concrete way so to speak, of teaching yourself how to listen to your intuition, because we all, you know, can look back hindsight's twenty twenty and say, you know, my gut was saying something, mm-hmm. right? And this mm-hmm. is a, a very simple way to just listen to your body and what it's trying to tell you. And and I think, you know, if you can do it here, even then, it can probably extend into
1: broader aspects of your life. I think it does. Yeah, that's. That's a really interesting thing to notice as you practice this, because I really do think that it gives you more confidence to make that decision. Sometimes we get the nudge, but then we don't have the confidence to act or follow it. But I do think as you start to really put this into practice, that it translates to that taking the step and doing it and trusting yourself, because ultimately this is about trusting your body. It's about trusting your cyclical nature. It's about trusting nature itself. And to me, there's, that's everything. <laughs> that's awesome. And what would you say is your greatest hope for women's health? Oh, my greatest hope. Honestly, it's what we were just talking about. And maybe that <laughs> is because it's fresh in my mind because you we were just saying it or because that would have landed with me anyway. But it's that it's my hope that all women would understand their own bodies and know that they have the choice over what they do, and how they do it, and what they choose, whether that be for a workout, or whether it be for treatments, or whether it be for what they eat, or anything that they choose. Just that, that health sovereignty, that personal ownership of your choices, and not only understanding that it's yours, but also really appreciating that it's yours so that you don't outsource that to someone else or expect someone else to come in and do it for you or save you. And I I don't think a lot of times we even see it that way, but if we reflect on what we might be allowing other influences to have in our lives, whether that's fitness culture telling us that we should be doing something and we've never noticed that we're actually listening to that (laughs) or whether it be something else that we, you know, are hearing that this is the treatment, this is what you should do next. And yet something doesn't seem right. And maybe we want another option. So regardless of what it is, to me, my hope is that women would know that they are the final choice on what happens with their body, how they live in their own body, and just to really embrace that sovereignty. Well, thank you. What
0: a way to end. This was an incredible discussion and thank you for doing what you do. And I, I think it really is the women who've gone through the experiences we have, who um, are really trying to transform the experiences that that women who come after
1: us uh, have. So thank you so much for um, doing your part. Thank you, Georgie. I love this conversation. I loved you sharing your story and hearing more about that. And all the things that you're sharing with women and all humans (laughs) to help them on their health journey. So I appreciate you so much.
0: Thank you for tuning into this discussion on the Femme Power Health Podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to information that is referred to in this episode. And if you like this episode and found it timely and valuable, please take a moment to tell a friend or a colleague about Fempower Health. And right after this episode is over, please think of one person who might find this episode helpful and tell them about it. And if your friend is new to podcasting, please show them how to subscribe to our show. Stages, ensuring you find exactly what you need to empower your health journey and your voice matters to us deeply. Whether you have a question, a story to share or feedback on our episodes, reach out directly at info at fempower-health.com drop us a message on social media or hit reply on any newsletter your insights inspire our conversations and a quick note the knowledge we share is here to embolden you in discussions with your healthcare provider it's not medical advice always consult with your doctor for health decisions and remember the diverse perspectives of our guests reflect their individual journeys and it's not an endorsement by fempower health Here's to empowering your health journey one episode at a time. And I'll see you on the next FemPower Health podcast episode.